0: From Community Public Radio, this is the CPR News. From New York, I'm Don DeBar. Today we go to Estelí in Nicaragua to speak with Stephen Sefton, journalist and a longtime reporter for us on events south of the border. In Central and South America and the Caribbean, Stephen, it's a pleasure to have you with us.
1: Yeah, thanks a million, John. I, I Don, it's it, for, for having me on your program again. It's always good to to, to talk and get pleasure. your your perspective as well on what's happening. Enjoy it also, um, definitely. In, in in the region. And to, today, and is it is the fourth of February, and and that's a special anniversary in in Venezuela because it's the anniversary of the uprising in nineteen ninety two when um, our Comandante Eterno Hugo Chavez Frias um, led an uprising of about uh, I think it was 3,000 troops and and senior officers um, uh, uh, it, to to try and. Uh, take power in the country, and change its direction away from the Washington consensus, as it was then known. Um, essentially, you know, to, to, to rescue Venezuela and its impoverished majority from the clutches of uh, neoliberal strategies that only deepened the country's poverty. Or the kingdom of James um, Madison.
0: <laughs> I mean, Monroe. Yeah, Sorry, and, Monroe, uh, not uh, Madison. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> Yes, and, and, and deepened the, the, the country's dependence on, on, on the United States. And, and also uh, I, this year is the 60th anniversary of the US, the, the criminal genocidal US blockade of Cuba that has been going on now since um, 1962 and has cost the country, I mean, there are there are various estimates of what it has cost Cuba in in terms of of dollars, but I know a, a current value is not is not far off a, a trillion dollars for a, a, a country of what what's the population of Cuba about twelve, 12 million, million something roughly, like that. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, about twelve
1: million. Um, and, and so that and this tiny Caribbean island nation has been subject to this genocidal blockade by the most powerful country in the world for sixty years, and uh, with 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 zero success from the from the point of view of changing its commitment and its population's commitment to sustaining their the, the communist revolution.
0: Hey, not that, only that. How how, far how how how
1: bad how bad <laughs>
0: a failure has the US policy been? They just approved the fifth COVID vaccine in Cuba that was domestically right, right. designed and produced.
1: Right, and 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 with a far, a far, and those Cuban vaccines have been used here in Nicaragua and elsewhere, and it's clear that they are uh, far superior in terms of safety and security to the mRNA va- vaccines um, that ha- have been touted by the World Health Organization and the United States, and that have had a very high number of. Of very serious adverse reactions around the world internationally but that's another topic obviously but no, the the fact that Cuba has been able to develop these vaccines independently is an incredible achievement for a country that's been subject to 60 years of economic and other uh, kinds of blockade uh, technological blockade um, by the most powerful country in the world up until now and that's, that, that situation is rapidly changing. Yep. So, I and mean, I mean, those two anniversaries, I and mean, it seems to me, are a very, very significant in, in, in terms of, if you look at the region now. Um, I mean, I, 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 we've been arguing for a long time that the United States is steadily losing its grip, despite its determination to cling to the Monroe Doctrine. It's steadily losing its grip on um, Latin America and the Caribbean, um, to the point where it's reduced to uh, spoiling. It, it, it can it can still manage to prevent um, progressive political movements from reaching power, but it's less and less able to 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 achieve that aim. And instead, uh, what it then uh, uh, resorts to uh, our efforts, one way or another, to hobble or, or or limit the political and economic policy space that's available to the progressive governments that do, in fact, get elected. And you can see that in Honduras. Right. And uh, what what happened in Honduras uh, was that. A progressive government won an overwhelming an absolutely overwhelming electoral victory to the point that the traditional corrupt electoral manipulation that the um, right wing elites and and the, the right wing oligarchy in Honduras has always managed to impose and they managed to defeat that. Which is uh, that in itself is a huge achievement.
0: Amazing, really.
1: But immediately, what happened, I and mean, what then happened, was that the United States local allies um, uh, worked to to suborn and 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 subvert and corrupt uh, a block of deputies that had been elected to the uh, progressive government parties as, as me, uh, members of the uh, progressive government party in Ho- the Honduran legislature the National Congress um they uh, they, they they and they, they they bought off something like 18 deputies and and those deputies that, that should have been voting for the uh, candidates for the uh, di- the directive the the board of the of the National Congress, those 18 deputies voted for the right-wing candidates. Um, and so now Honduras is sunk into this crisis where they have uh, two competing Legisl boards in the legislature and that in is is going to be that is going to lead to very serious problems for the government under Xiomara Castro um to implement their legislative program and that's right. that's just another example of the way yeah, that the exactly. United States and its allies they can't win elections but they can take actions to sabotage and and subvert um the the implementation of of the popular will because it's very Xiomara Castro won with a huge advantage in in that election and it's very clear that the majority of people in Honduras want change and the oligarchy moved immediately to subvert and corrupt the the, uh, ruling the governing party's electoral bloc so as to um, make the implementation of Ziomara Castro's program much more difficult. So, and that's just one example. And, and there are lots of examples across the across the. Um, across uh, South America and and the, and, the, and the Caribbean Central America and one very good example I and mean, that you and I have talked about ever since 2015 when Mauricio macri the right-wing presidential candidate at the time won the elections right. back in 2015 right. and what he progressively set out to do was to destroy Argentina's economy um, to the benefit of him uh, of himself and his Uh, ruling elite um, accomplices in the Argentinian oligarchy and they 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 left they sunk Argentina into extremely deep external debt they negotiated a completely illegal by the way um, agreement with the International Monetary Fund that saddled Argentina with something like I I can't remember the exact figure I think it's something like 45 billion dollars of debt um, and so when uh, uh, Alberto Fernandez and um, Cristina Fernandez won the elections a couple of years ago, they, they then found that they, the, the economic, their economic policy space was um, very, very seriously curtailed and limited because they were subject to trying to renegotiate. This enormous debt, Again. in terms of Argentina's economy. And that's that's another way in which the United States manages, through the instruments at an international level, in the international financial institutions that it controls. That's another way that the United States is able to spoil the, the, the development of... Uh, Progressive policies that benefit the majorities in the countries of South America Central America and the Caribbean Let me explain
0: this to our audience in simple terms Um, You know I I own a delicatessen and it's very profitable I'm gonna take a month's vacation and I hand it over to you to manage for me while I'm gone And you're gonna return it to me when I get back As soon as I leave you go to the bank borrow The full value of, at least, of the delicatessen from the bank, pledge the delicatessen as collateral, and then leave with the money. And when I come back, I have to pay back the debt.
1: That's essentially what they do. Yeah, and in this case, you're talking around the debt that Macri um, added to uh, Argentina's all, all existing debt, and the other thing is about forty-four billion in terms so more of like, money from the IMF.
0: It's more like the whole chain of Seven Elevens than than one deli, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 the thing is that that was I think the, the, I'm right in saying that that was the biggest loan the IMF had, had ever authorized. Sure. And they authorized it in, a, in a, a a using a procedure that was completely incorrect. Um, and there's a lot of criticism in Argentina against Alberto Fernandez for not um, attacking uh, the IMF more aggressively and insisting that they um, uh, forgive, a, if not all, at least a, a large amount of the debt because right. of the, um, uh, the, the the incorrect way in which the IMF uh, processed the, 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 the debt. Request and and the debt disbursement, but the other thing to bear in mind is that one of the reasons that Argentina is so deeply sunk in debt and has this very serious external debt problem is because Mauricio Macri agreed to pay the vulture funds that had been um, harassing and intimidating Argentina for ever ever since the early uh, 2000s, or sorry, ever since. The government of Nesta Kirchner around 2006, and the subsequent government of Nesta Kirchner's um, wife, Christina Fernandez de Kirchner, um, who uh, w- w- imposed haircuts um, and were f- re- refusing to pay that were agreed by the great majority. That was agreed by that that renegotiation, that restructuring of debt, back in that period between 2006, 2012, 2013, um, that renegotiated debt was accepted by the great majority of Argentina's creditors, and the, it was only the vulture fund holdouts that were re, that refused to accept that restructuring. Right. And the, one of the first things that Mauricio Macri did when he got into power. Um, after being elected in 2015 was to recognize the, the, the claims of the vulture funds as legitimate. And yeah. that immediately added another few tens of billions of, of debt onto uh, Argentina's foreign debt
0: They actually wrote a check for it and handed it to Barack Obama, who came down to Buenos Aires to pick
1: it up. Right. So, and so, the, and so, so that, that's the background in which the IMF uh, dispersed in a, a completely incorrect way this massive loan um, to Mauricio Macri's government. Why did they disperse it? Because the Macri would have been unable to continue paying Argentina's external debt thanks to the mistaken, um, very dishonest and, and corrupt decisions that he took. In thus increasing Argentina's debt. He increased Argentina's debt to the point where he knew they wouldn't be able to repay it. And then he went to the IMF to ask for more money to be able to repay the debt that he did, he himself had incurred. Yeah. So, you know, I, and so then what does that mean in, in current terms? What, what, what the renegotiation that Alberto Fernandez has been able to um, carry through uh, it restructures the debt. So instead of having to start paying it back in 2024, uh, with, oh, sorry, instead of having to pay it back by 2024, which yeah. is when um, the original debt that MACRI uh, incurred with the, the this illicit IMF loan, that was when it was supposed to expire, right. that will now be paid back in two, by 2031. So what they've in, in effect gained is something like a ten-year restructuring. Yeah.
0: yeah, they were supposed um, to. They were scheduled to make a seven hundred and thirty million dollar payment uh, three days ago.
1: Yeah, and they wouldn't have been able to do so if without without this new uh, 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 agreement. So the the why why is the MF agreeing to that to the to, to the terms? Which in terms, you know, in. in looking at the traditional conditions that the imf imposes on countries that incur debt from the imf the conditions that it's imposing on argentina are superficially quite moderate or mild but the only reason they're doing that is because if they didn't the 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 whole thing would collapse and and argentina would fall into default with everything that that entails which is bad for everybody, including the IMF and uh, its its backers. So and the, uh, the, 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 the IMF, it, under the terms of the agreement, the IMF is going to control, effectively it's going to control economic policy, but they promise that they're not going to imp- impose privatisation. Um, they're not going to aggressively attack uh, government expenditure, especially on social expenditure. But they are going to expect... Progressive cutbacks in uh, government expenditure, including subsidies, and they're demanding a reduction in uh, the, Argent- the Argentinian government's uh, projected budget deficits over the next few years, and uh, taking which will take Argentina towards, in theory, towards a balanced budget. Which, in you know, any anybody. Who's been following the, the the economic development of Latin America and the Caribbean over the, over the years understands that a balanced budget is almost always um, uh, based on neoliberal uh, policies that deepen uh, poverty for the majority of the people in the country concerned and uh, I, I, I actually serve the interests of uh, foreign investors, foreign. Uh, foreign the people who own the, the the country's foreign debt and and so and and that a balanced budget in itself puts severe limitations on the social and economic policy that a government can follow in, in if it's trying to improve uh the the conditions of life for its general population and the, and the, again now in this loan it's it's like these loans are like kind of co- constantly recurring fantasies. And the, the IMF is saying that, and the government, uh, Alberto Fernandez's government, is repeating the ridiculous refrain that somehow they're going to be able to finance the debt with greater productivity and greater export capacity. So, uh, <clears throat> it's the same nonsense we
0: heard in 2001.
1: Right. You know, and, and so, but... that's a complete fantasy and 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 people critics in Argentina recognize that you know and they so right but but at at the same time that Alberto Fernandez and his government are engaging in that effort to try and um stay in good favor uh with essentially with the United States because they're negotiating with the IMF but they who they the, the 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 power behind the IMF is the United States government, of course. So, but the the interesting thing um, in the current context is that Alberto Fernandez is doing that, but now he he has just gone to uh, Russia um, and had a meeting with President Vladimir Putin in Moscow in which he makes very clear that his overall policy is aimed at reducing Argentina's uh, focus on uh, the, working with the United States um, and, and looking towards the United States for for uh, for, for leadership, as it were. And, and he said he said very explicitly in that conversation with Vladimir Putin that Argentina needs to broaden its horizons and look towards countries like the Russian Federation in order to uh, strengthen. Its its overall uh, position internationally.
0: Yep. Um,
1: and, and where where is he now? Where where is Alberto Fernandez now? Well, after that meeting in, in Moscow with Vladimir Putin, um, he went immediately to the Winter Olympics in Beijing, and uh, is uh, uh, negotiating agreements there. Uh, with the government of President Xi Jinping. It's worth bearing in mind that Argentina is now building, I think it, I'm right in saying that Argentina is now building its third or fourth, it just signed an agreement, to build its third or fourth nuclear plant in, in, in uh, coordination with China. So the, the, what, what we're seeing there is a perfect example of way of the way in which um, a government, a, a relatively progressive government, and I think it's fair to say that Alberto Fernandez does aspire to promote progressive policies on behalf of Argentina's majority. But uh, it's a perfect example of the way the United States has managed to spoil the uh, policy space and policy options available. To this progressive government under alberto fernandez but at the same time they can't stop alberto fernandez engaging in developing and broadening argentina's wider relationships its trade commercial technological and broad economic relationships with um countries that the united states regards as it as its enemies namely the russian federation and the people's republic of china
0: yeah you know, sure. if you look at the uh, last time they had the um, restructuring of debt, I guess, you had a default in uh, the 2001 and then a, a flurry of activity from 2001 to 2003, which included a bunch of vulture funds scapping up debt <clears throat> and uh, demands, lawsuits, litigation, uh, looking to recover 100 cents on a dollar, 100% of the debt. Um, Some people, some Americans, for example, one in particular who had renounced his American citizenship uh, to have a more advantageous position in uh, the litigation, who ended up getting prosecuted because it just coincidentally allowed him tax avoidance to do that. And that's what he was uh, prosecuted for. Um, All kinds of games went on while the people of Argentina had to deal with the austerity required to balance the books. Uh, you had the uh, presidency. Uh, Nestor Kirchner uh, took power in uh, 2003 and started to basically set the financial house in order. Uh, he uh, and uh, Cristina Fernandez the, the Kirchner uh, did, uh, you know, everything that they could for that. And then you got Macri. You had Pineda for a minute, but you have Macri, uh, who put us in the same, put them in the same position. It was this massive amount of debt again. You had $91 billion, I think, 90 billion they defaulted on back in 2001. And we're up already now just renegotiating with the IMF, a $44 billion piece. The total of that $90 billion, $91 billion, whatever it was in, in 2001, by the way, a quarter of that was owned by the domestic elite and some of it by, I'm sure, union pensions and, and such. Those are the people, I'm sure, that got screwed the worst. Well, the elite. Probably the ones that did the best, along with hedge fund and uh, and vulture fund, uh, you know, uh, investors, quote unquote, um, up here and in uh, London and Tokyo or wherever.
1: Yeah, and and that whole debt issue in Argentina, and I'm I'm not an expert by any means on on econo- economics or or the, the, the economics of debt, but one of the things that various people, and including I think Michael Hudson, the, the uh, one of the, right. probably the leading economists in the United States, in many people's opinion. Yeah. And he explained many years ago that, that in in fact, uh, a lot of Argentina's debt is owned by the Argentine oligarchy um, by, by means of the, the kind of veil of tears strategy that they use to disguise their operations operating from... Uh, operate, operating offshore from offshore havens, and so you know, and the right. what, I, I Macri, Macri, and himself and his family are perfect examples of that. And so uh, the what they did was, the, they 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 incurred all that debt and manipulated it and 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 it, so as to benefit themselves, and engaged in massive capital flight. Um, to decapitalize Argentina's economy um, and then and they, and they are going to be the beneficiaries in to a great extent of uh, Argentina's efforts to repay this debt directly so yep. you know and, and pa- perhaps another time and we can look more closely at that issue but again I, I just use Argentina I just wanted to mention what's happening in Argentina um, because it's an example of the way in which, the United States can no longer dominate the region as, as overtly and directly as it has done over the past uh, 150 years. But uh, it can still act as a spoiler and make it impossible for the, the region's impoverished majority, or not, not impossible, but extremely difficult, for the uh, impoverished majority in the countries of South America and the Caribbean to achieve their aspirations for a better life. And you can see that also in in, in this weekend, Don. Before we go there, unable. just let me just, let me just
0: punctuate that with this. Um, back in two thousand one, you have two two people that were primarily, uh, you know, mo- uh, involved in this the, the particular the, the vulture fund stuff. One is Kenneth Dart. Okay, his his bio says that he's an American born, Cayman Islands based. Uh, a billionaire with uh, w- w- about 6.6 6 billion in 2013 um, he and his brother Robert both renounced their American citizenship Kenneth has uh, uh, he took Cayman, Cayman Island uh, Caymanian uh, citizenship Belize citizenship and then Irish citizenship all of these of course are tax havens he moved his residence citizenship or not to The Caymans, which is a tax haven, and then he and in uh, we're talking in Argentina now, 2001 to 2003. Um, he and uh, Paul Singer, who's the one that o- Obama picked up the check for, I forget what is it, 12 billion or something, back in uh, right. the first couple of days of uh, Macri's, before he could sign mm-hmm. the oath of office, he signed this check. Um, to, right. to, to to Paul Singer. They bought up uh, the debt, had been defaulted on for like two cents on the dollar, and they sued to collect 100%. <clears throat> right. They both held out. They refused to, to go in for the settlement where they would have made only 10 times their money. And all it took was a change of government. In 2015, for Singer to get his whole amount of money, and apparently right. Dart had angered somebody, so he he didn't get treated quite as well. But th- in other words, these operations are also self financing,
1: right? Right. Yeah, no, and and, and the, the, the you, we you, we could spend hours and hours and hours talking about the details of, of how how those shenanigans are, are are operated to the benefit of both local elites and the Wall Street elites.
0: Instead of hours, though, we've got about a minute and a half, so what do you okay, want to talk yes, about
1: and Just quickly, I mean, the Costa Rican election is another example of, 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 of the way countries are kept under control. There are 25 candidates, the three leading candidates, I and mean, that election is on Sunday, February, the, this February the sixth, um, the, the three leading candidates are all um, neoliberals of one stripe or another. And so, what does that mean? That means that Costa Rica has no options except um, what local U.S. allies um, are prepared to allow yeah. um, to, in, in terms of economic and uh, space. For, for their country's majority and the, I, I think what we're going to see as a result of this election is a continuing decline in Costa Rica's position relative to the rest of the region in particular as in stark contrast to Nicaragua
0: yeah, agreed and and by the way even if they were able to elect a, a bona fide progressive there as president if that's what came came out of Sunday's election, they have the example, the recent example of what happened in Honduras only two weeks ago, which right. is the United States stoking up the opposition and supposedly uh, the allies of the uh, progressive that was elected who ran with her and as progressives who stepped in to the opposition as soon as they took office. So who right. knows? You know, it's, 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 a tough, it's a tough road to hold no matter what. Uh, Stephen, thank you for your time and your insight and all the information you bring to us and we'll speak with you again next week.
1: Uh, Thanks, Don. Looking forward to it.
0: And that's all the news we have for you right now. For Community Public Radio, I'm Don DeBar in New York. Thanks for listening.